Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology podcast. I'm your host, pharmacist Eric Christensen, and I thank you so much for listening today. The drug of the day we're going to tackle today is quetiapine. Brand name of this medication is Seroquel. Now this medication is an antipsychotic. More specifically, it's a second generation antipsychotic. It's something that uh, I see used somewhat regularly in practice, uh, particularly in patients with uh, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder. Uh, Occasionally I see it in uh, geriatric patients where we're working with uh, aggressive type behaviors, highly delusional or uh, hallucinations, for example. Uh, in those type of patients, you generally want to make sure that that medication is a last resort as there is a boxed warning associated with quetiapine and all antipsychotics for uh, increased mortality risk if used in elderly patients with dementia. So, um, Essentially, what we have to make sure is that we do our due diligence to use non-drug interventions first, and then from that, if we uh, try and fail and we feel like another agent uh, is going to be utilized, uh, under rare circumstances, we may consider uh, an antipsychotic. But again, you really want to focus on, uh, is this patient going to harm themselves or harm other patients? Uh, And then... If that is the case, then you definitely have to do a risk risk versus benefit and assess if that's the, the right thing to do. Uh, getting into the mechanism of action a little bit more uh, detailed-wise, so antipsychotics fall under the class of uh, dopamine antagonists. More specifically, it's the dopamine 2 receptor that it blocks. Uh, that's going to lead to the physiological effects. Uh, Seroquel or quetiapine has serotonin receptor antagonism as well, and that's generally subtype 2 is the most uh, prominent antagonism there. Uh, In addition, we've got some histamine blocking action, which tends to lead to more sedative type effects. Uh, We've got some alpha-1 antagonist type activity as well. Alpha-1, if you remember from pharmacology, if we block that, we're going to potentially cause some uh, lower blood pressure. So if you remember alpha blockers like Flomax and things like that, uh, you're definitely, uh, you definitely have the potential of seeing that qu- with quetiapine. Again, not an incredibly strong alpha blocker like uh, true alpha blockers, but may have some of that activity and may contribute to uh, orthostasis. All right, so digging a little bit deeper on adverse drug reactions, there are a ton potentially associated with antipsychotics in general, and I want to give you some specifics about quetiapine and how it relates uh, compared to some of those other antipsychotics. So first off, uh, general adverse effects, extrapyramidal symptoms, that's probably the uh, most hallmark adverse effect that you can see with an antipsychotic. So those are those movement type uh, disorders and adverse effects. Uh, sedation I alluded to, 
Uh, quetiapine tends to be a little bit higher on the scale uh, for causing sedation. Sometimes in practice, we use this to our advantage. If a patient's having difficulty with insomnia, having trouble at night, uh, you may look to quetiapine if you're trying to figure out which uh, antipsychotic to select in that situation. There again, it may cause too much sedation, and obviously we don't want to zonk our patients out all day. That's not appropriate either. So if we're having too much sedation, we might look to steer clear of quetiapine. Uh, prolactin level elevations can happen with antipsychotics. Uh, quetiapine generally isn't near as bad as a uh, drug like risperidone, and consequences from that hyperprolactinemia can be sexual dysfunction. Uh, moderate weight gain uh, can happen. Quetiapine is kind of middle of the road there. So again, that kind of lends into metabolic syndrome and increased uh, lipids, things like that. Quetiapine generally isn't considered uh, as bad as uh, clozapine, for example, is one of the worst ones. Uh, Olanzapine is another example there as well. Uh, orthostasis, orthostasis risk, I mentioned a little bit in, in uh, correlation with some alpha blocking activity. Uh, I'd call it kind of middle of the road there. Uh, and some modest QTC prolongation risk, which we also have to pay attention to uh, with antipsychotics. So, uh, but nowhere near a drug like uh, ziprazidone, which tends to cause, uh, is an antipsychotic that causes more QTC prolongation. Uh, anticholinergic activity is possible, so a great way to remember that, can't spit, see, pee, or poop. So cause dry eyes, dry mouth, urinary retention, constipation, uh, and can also cause some uh, confusion in CNS effects. Uh, quetiapine, not crazy high on the list as far as anticholinergic effects go, uh, but it can happen, obviously, as you escalate doses and things of that nature. It's a good time to remind you about the Flippin' Pharmacology flashcards. They have been highly rated on Amazon. Uh, fantastic little study guide for nursing, pharmacy, med students, anyone basically who has to take pharmacology. Uh, I've gone ahead in that book. Uh, we covered nearly 600 medications by their class, categorized with the most important clinical pearls that you're going to see show up in your pharmacology exams. Uh, as well as uh, things you're probably likely to encounter uh, on your board exams, whether you're a nurse, uh, pharmacist, or physician. So just a lot of good stuff uh, that you're going to see out in clinical practice and obviously that you're going to see uh, in the classroom as well when you're trying to pass your pharmacology exam. So again, you can find that on Amazon, Flippin' Pharmacology Flashcards. I'll leave the link in the show notes as well. All right, let's wrap up with drug interactions. So first and foremost, I always think of QTC prolongation risk with antipsychotics. Uh, it's one of those medications that can kind of have that additive type effect. Uh, an uh, Antiarrhythmic medications are something you really got to look out for when we add on an antipsychotic. And obviously, we can just monitor this um, by checking an EKG and seeing uh, what that QTC interval is. So pay attention to that. Some of the common drugs that I see uh, flag on interaction screens, uh, amiodarone, for example, uh, quinolone antibiotics like levofloxacin, uh, azithromycin can flag. And again, there are tons of meds that can prolong the QTC interval. Uh, important to monitor. 
uh, important to pay attention to and obviously look for uh, risk factors that people might have as well there. Uh, sedation. So additive sedation from other medications is definitely a problem and potential concern with quetiapine. So some of those drugs that are notorious for causing sedation, obviously things like benzodiazepines, so that's your lorazepam, clonazepam, for example. Uh, we've got Z drugs for insomnia and pretty much any drug for insomnia for that matter. But uh, examples of those uh, Z drugs are Zolpidem, brand name Ambien, uh, Lunesta, Sonata, a couple other brand name examples there. Of course, we've got opioids that are sedating. So that can definitely have an additive effect on top of quetiapine. Uh, alcohol use, uh, older antihistamines and anticholinergic medications. So the classic one I always see in practice is uh, over-the-counter use of, of Benadryl. Uh, sometimes I see some prescription use of uh, hydroxazine, brand name Atarax. So pay attention to that. Uh, adding quetiapine on top of patients already taking those medications, uh, you're definitely going to get some additive uh, type effects there. Uh, mild anticholinergic activity with quetiapine um, could add to that anticholinergic burden too if a patient is uh, taking some of those older anticholinergic agents like Benadryl and Atarax, which I mentioned previously. Uh, and then, of course, we got to think about that dopamine antagonist activity and how that could block the beneficial effects of medications uh, that are used for Parkinson's. So, a uh, drug like Cinemount, we're trying to increase dopamine uh, to help with Parkinson's symptoms. Well, quetiapine, if we're blocking dopamine 2 receptors, uh, we could potentially be blunting or blocking uh, that potential beneficial effects. Now, I will say with extrapyramidal symptoms, quetiapine is one of the best. It doesn't have uh, a crazy strong affinity uh, or at least as strong as some of the other agents like uh, risperidone or first-generation antipsychotics. It doesn't bind that uh, D2 receptor as strongly. So in patients with Parkinson's disease who absolutely need an antipsychotic, uh, we actually lean on quetiapine as one of the uh, favored medications there in that situation. Again, it's not something that you definitely uh, want to have to do is use an antipsychotic in patients uh, who have Parkinson's disorder. But if we get put in that situation where we feel like it's absolutely necessary uh, that an antipsychotic is used, uh, we can um, potentially utilize quetiapine uh, because it doesn't have as much uh, dopamine 2 antagonism as maybe some of the uh, other agents that I mentioned previously. Uh, and then we've got some CYP3A4 interactions that you need to pay attention to. So CYP3A4 inducers. So remember, these are medications that stimulate the action of CYP3A4 and basically make it work faster. So those inducers are actually going to um, cause that enzyme to work faster and chew up quetiapine quicker. So that's going to lead to lower drug concentrations. And if we add a CYP3A4 inducer onto somebody's medication regimen, it could potentially lead to lower concentrations and ultimately uh, treatment failure if it's a severe enough case there. On the flip side, CYP3A4 inhibitors 
block the action of CYP3A4. What this is going to do is prevent quetiapine from being broken down to a certain extent, and concentrations could go up. So in a patient that's otherwise stabilized, you add a CYP3A4 inhibitor, like erythromycin, clarithromycin, for example. There's numerous HIV medications uh, that can inhibit CYP3A4. If you add that medication to the regimen, uh, we could certainly see concentrations of quetiapine go up and obviously increase the risk for uh, some of those adverse effects like EPS and elevated prolactin levels, sedation, metabolic syndrome, and, and so on and so forth. So um, definitely pay attention uh, to those drug interactions. Uh, mostly it's going to be monitoring. Uh, there aren't a lot of true contraindicated drug interactions with quetiapine, um, but you always want to take uh, those warnings seriously when you get them in practice or when a, uh, two medications are flagged. You want to review it, make sure you monitor at a minimum, and uh, obviously look for alternatives as well uh, if we've got a drug interaction that's uh, significant. All right, well, I think that's going to wrap up the podcast for today. We've got a huge library of podcasts at reallifepharmacology.com. I think we're upwards of nearly 300 different podcasts at this point. Uh, absolute no-brainer, uh, reallifepharmacology.com. On the right-hand side of the screen on the, the podcast tab, I've got them categorized by disease state. So if you're going through pharmacology classes, uh, definitely take advantage of that website for sure. Uh, I don't don't think you'll uh, regret it at all, the, the free education that comes with it. And of course, you can find us on iTunes and, and other places as well there. The Flippin' Pharmacology flashcards are available on Amazon within the United States, uh, so definitely go take advantage of that. Uh, if you're practicing out in the real world, it'd be a great gift uh, for a student who's going through pharmacology classes. I uh, help them really hone in on some of the most important uh, practical information that you're actually going to see uh, in the real world. So uh, with that, if you want to track me down, mededucation101 at gmail.com, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Eric Christensen, PharmD, BCPS, BCGP. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, take care, and I hope you uh, picked up a practice pearl or two today. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.